Yeah. So, yeah. so the, uh, the sound of a high five. Yeah, yeah. The music swoops in. <laughs> and here we are. All right. City on the edge. Yeah. Painting a landscape of one city in the southwest with. Uh, yeah. Mike Smith. Hello, I'm Mike Smith, local <laughs> author and guy. And yeah. Ty Bannerman. Yeah. Also a local author and <laughs> currently writing for the Weekly Alibi. That's true. Author of Forgotten Albuquerque <laughs> and a future memoir that's going to be amazing. Um, yeah. So we're, we're, Ty and I are old friends. We, um, we've always wanted to do a podcast together. And um, we're finally getting around to doing it. So how would you describe what the podcast is going to be? All right. What's the idea? All right, you're a person I just cornered at a party. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know what? The night's going on. I'm high energy. I've been drinking a while. Uh, <laughs> okay. well, let me tell you about I've this podcast here. my friend Ty and I are going to do. It's going to be amazing. All right, here's the idea. We are going to paint a picture of this city through a season or two or three or many more of episodes about... This city, with each episode focusing on a person or a place or a thing, maybe an idea sometime, who knows, but every episode is going to connect to the next episode. Like, we're, this episode, we're going to be talking about a woman whose ghost allegedly haunts the Albuquerque Press Club and who had a very interesting life even before entering that sort of lore. Um, and she happens to be connected with someone else who's very interesting, and the next episode is going to be about that person. And it's going to be really cool because all these things are going to connect together. We're going to go back in time and through the present and all to every part of town and around town and we are going to like really capture this place and if you listen to all of these episodes as we do them over time you are going to like get a crash course in what it means to live in this very unusual place in this very unusual time that's also kind of universal in its way there's so much going on here and there's so much that's always been going on here and so much of it is sad and so much of it is happy and so much of it is tragic and beautiful and interesting and fascinating and you know it's going to be of local interest to people that are from Albu Albuquerque. That's the city we're profiling. Mm -hmm. But I really think this is going to be something much bigger. This is going to be something kind of universal in that we're picking one place and we're going to explore it. You know, But I think you could be from right. New York. You could be from Africa. You could be from wherever the hell. And you're going to hear this and you're going to think, that place sounds interesting. Exactly. We're, going to, we're going to find stuff here that you're going to care about wherever you're from. And we're going to have fun. Any, any city, any, uh, any landscape... Is going to have stories that are going to have totally. universal interests. Totally. People who live in them that have lived amazing, dynamic yeah. lives that you've never heard about. Exactly. Strange stories right. about right. folk heroes and you know ghost stories and things that mm -hmm. maybe don't make a lot of sense. Totally, yeah. But and yeah. it just so happens that we live here yeah. in Albuquerque. So it's easy for us to profile it. <laughs> we happen to also be authors that have written about the local area. I wrote a book called Towns of the Sandia Mountains about their mountain range here that kind of, you know, overshadows the town and is beautiful and I love it. And Ty wrote Forgotten Albuquerque, which is great. And he's written so many articles about the cemeteries and the people and just the weird history and stuff here in town. Between the two of us, I think we're going to be like pretty good guides to exploring this stuff. You know, I mean, you know, just, I don't want to sound egotistic, but I like, we obsess over this stuff. We love this stuff. Right. You know, like we, we drive around town and we're like, this is where that happened. This is where that happened. We annoy everybody, everybody but ourselves. You know, it's like, it's amazing. But uh, it's going to be great. So since it's uh, late October when we're recording this, mm -hmm. and hopefully when it gets actually put out there, uh, we decided that we would start with a ghost story. Sure. Uh, one that relates to a particular building here in town, the Albuquerque Press Club, which is in this mm 
Mm-hmm. 100-year-old sprawling log cabin that uh, was originally built by Charles Whittlesey, the architect of the Alvarado Hotel and a number oh, yeah. of ho- Harvey House. Very famous hotel here in town. Right. Yeah. Uh, a number of Harvey House hotels across the Southwest, including uh, El Tovar, Grand Canyon, mm. and so forth. Um, so I didn't she, know that, really? Yeah, no, that's absolutely. Cool. And yeah. he's built, he had buildings in San Francisco and so forth, and this was his... This was his residence for only about three years. But that's not actually who we're going to be talking about tonight. Mm. So We should talk about him sometime, though. He sounds interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, shall we go ahead and listen to the segment now? Yeah, okay. So wait, so, so Ty recorded some stuff. We're, we're, we're still finding the form of this podcast a little bit, but we're, we, wanna, we love like Stuff You Should Know where two guys talk about an article for a while, and we love This American Life where they have these produced beautiful segments, and we kind of want to do a synthesis a, a little bit of, of these and of other podcasts that we enjoy, like where we have produced segments and informal segments. Right. You know, and, and I really do think that like this is good. The appeal for this is going to go beyond just the city. Like, I mean, I would listen to something like this about Cleveland. If it was really in depth and like you know went into it, and if it yeah, you know, yeah. like I, I'm sure there's lots of cool stories from there, right, or wherever. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, come along with us. So what? <laughs> Anybody in Cleveland? My favorite bar is haunted, or so I've been told. The ramshackle log cabin that houses the Albuquerque Press Club certainly looks the part, with its dusty, shadowed corners, creaking floorboards, and wandering corridors. And there's a century's worth of history that must be lodged deep in its bones somehow. But if a spectral presence roams this peculiar old manse, I've never seen it, despite many nights where I've sat with a beer in hand waiting for a manifestation. Are all cities as peculiarly haunted as Albuquerque? It seems like phantasms crowd into every city block here, especially near downtown. There's a dimly seen little boy that wanders backstage at the chemo theater next door to where I work. The staff supposedly leave him donuts and toys to placate his restlessness. The high noon restaurant and saloon in Old Town is beset by a woman in white who drifts through the dining area, alarming the guests. Strange lights float up and down a hill at the east end of Manal. A child-hungry woman wanders every acequia in the city, and when I first started working at my current job, the cleaning lady's daughter made sure to tell me all about the spirits that she's seen in our building after hours, when the lights are low and only the hum of the vacuum cleaner fills the air. We are infested. But the ghost I spend the most time thinking about is the one at the club, whom the bartenders call Mrs. M., The book Adobe Angels, The Ghosts of Albuquerque by Antonio Garces runs down the story of phenomena that staff over the years have apparently witnessed. Mrs. M is said to manifest as a dark-cloaked female figure standing at the bar, simply staring. Or she invisibly clacks her high-heeled shoes across the wooden floor on lonely nights. Sometimes she plinks out a few notes on the out-of-tune piano when nobody else is near. An old cat who once prowled the property was known to stop and stare into space, his back arching at an unseen presence. The bartenders would leave a shot of gin on the bar before closing, and the next morning the glass would be empty. But Adobe Angels was written twenty-some years ago, and the bartenders who reported these phenomena moved on long ago. 
As far as I know, no one has left a shot of gin out for Mrs. M in ages. But I think about her when the house is quiet, and especially when I'm in the old front room before the lava rock fireplace. I wonder if she's lingering unseen nearby, and if she feels a spectral content from watching the crackling pinewood fire. I wonder if there are secrets here she is waiting for us to discover. Back at the bar itself, I asked the current manager, Maynard Cohen, if he's ever seen anything. What you've experienced? I mean, I, I've spent all hours of the night here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've literally spent 24 hours straight. And I, for probably the first seven or eight months working here, I never believed there was a ghost here. Okay. But I just thought, all right, that's just a myth. It's, you know, it's a cute story. Yeah. Right? Um... But I've had a couple of experiences where there have been some noises, some some brushes past, you know. Yeah? Like when you're standing, you know, at the bar, you know, that kind of stuff. Just some really eerie feelings, that kind of crap. Just unsettling it's just, it's feelings? Just, yeah, it's just kind of hard to explain. Most of most of, of, of my experience, like walking down and up those stairs, feeling like someone's brushing past you, like mm-hmm. kind of. Now you feel that you know that pressure on your shoulder as you're walking okay. up the stairs. Um, I've asked these questions before. Upstairs, Sometimes people answer that they once heard strange footsteps as they went downstairs to the lower office. Sometimes they say that they've been here for years and never seen or heard anything. Sometimes they say they don't believe in ghosts. And sometimes they tell me they worry about seeing Mrs. M, especially when they're alone. There's a picture of Mrs. M by the stairwell, hanging among other photos that that depict the house as it stood in the early 20th century, alone on a windswept sand hill above the dirt track of Railroad Avenue, which later became central. She stands outside the home, a tall brunette woman in a dark cloak, a stern look on her pale face, already looking like a ghost even during her life. Her real name was Clifford Myrick Hall McCallum, Clifford because her father wanted a boy, Hall and McCallum from two failed marriages. According to Mary Lou Heafy, her daughter who wrote a memoir about her in a Cliffy experience, Clifford was a nurse who came from Louisiana in 1916 as the caretaker for several tuberculosis patients back when doctors believed or hoped that the dry New Mexico air could cure that particular plague. According to Heafy, she fell in love with the house the first time she saw it. Later, when her suitor, pharmacist A.B. Hall, asked her to marry him, she said yes, but only if he bought her the house on the hill. He did just that, and they moved in as a married couple in 1920. By all accounts, their life together was rich, loving, and turbulent. She used the house's extensive porch as a lay-in quarters for TB patients from nearby pueblos, invited artists and writers to stay in the extra rooms, hosted Will Rogers and the Mayo Brothers, the founders of the famous clinic, and filled every nook and cranny with art from across the globe, but especially from the native tribes of the Southwest. During Prohibition, she and her husband distilled bathtub gin and brewed bootleg beer, though her daughter claimed she always preferred bourbon. But her husband's heart wandered, and they soon divorced, although Hefe wrote that the love between them remained strong. She remained in the house, remarried, divorced again, More artists came. Albuquerque's legendary Mayor Tingley became Clifford's confidant. Journalist Carl Taylor became her lover. World War II raged half a world away, 
and the land around her home was converted into a public city park. Through it all, she stayed in the house, her true love, until 1960, when her health had declined to the point that she was no longer able to keep the old place up. When she finally left, she had lived there for 40 years, far longer than any other resident past or future. She died of cancer at the age of 87 and was buried in Fairview Memorial Park. She is gone, but the house remains. Its present owners, the Albuquerque Press Club, purchased it in 1965 and have been there ever since, doing their best to maintain and preserve this unique part of Albuquerque history. Most articles written about the house focus on its designer and first owner, Charles Whittlesey, the architect who built the Alvarado Hotel, El Tovar by the Grand Canyon, and numerous other projects. But to me, the house will always be Mrs. M's. I don't know if ghosts are real. In some ways, I don't really care if they are or not. But history is important to me, and part of why I choose to have a drink at the press club is because of the strange old building and the ghost that is said to haunt it. Perhaps that is all a ghost story really is, another way to remember those who were here before us. With that in mind, I order another beer, add on a glass of bourbon, not gin, and drink a toast to Mrs. M. Had you heard this story before? You know, if I had, you had told me when we were at the press club, because that's where our writing group meets, uh-huh. and we had been drinking and I didn't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but you know what? It adds so much depth. You know, no, I, no, I do remember elements of it. And it adds so much depth to that place. Because, yeah. like, you know, when you're in the press club, like, listeners, if you haven't seen this place, it's, uh, it's, it's like a house on a hill, and it's surrounded on most sides by this huge grassy park. So just imagine like the world is all grass and it all swells up toward this one parking lot and this one building and there's this log edifice that just looks like another time sitting on the top of it. Yeah, it's you know? it's this these rough cut ponderosa yeah. pine logs with that thick plaster between the logs. Yeah. Yeah, it, and this is a town where everything's like fake adobe pretty much. Right? Oh, I know, yeah. All over the place. Like that's yeah. the that's the dominant aesthetic of Albuquerque mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the Southwest. So not to, to the be, extreme of Santa Fe, but not quite. Yeah. 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 But, but yes. For there to be right in the middle of downtown this weird old log cabin that looks like it's straight out of Yeah. I don't know, the forests of mm-hmm. Norway or something, It's you know? so wild. And and you go in there and there's this huge lava rock fireplace that Ty mentioned in this wonderful write-up that was so great. Um, and there's this huge empty area with rough kind of like, they're not totally even floorboards. And <laughs> the walls are all kind of musty. And the place is dusty. I mean, it's just like kept yeah. up just enough. The walls are lined <laughs> with books that like people have left. They're, most of them are not great. They're like, yeah, well, I can Stephen leave these. Like, yeah, these ancient like, hardcover Stephen Yeah, King old novels. hardcover John but Grisham. not like the good Stephen King, <laughs> like uh, Dreamcatcher. Yeah, and you go in and the, from room to room, it's just... Uh, all of these little spaces, like some of them have like original uh, newspaper pr- prints from like forever ago. Yeah, There's yeah. old front pages from World War II and stuff hanging on the walls. We once got a t- tour from a bartender, Seth, who doesn't work there anymore. Yeah. Seth, you were great. Um, and uh, and Seth showed us like little secret nooks where like stills had been forever ago. <laughs> and I mean, supposedly, who knows? And and uh, all of this, just little stuff hidden around. I mean, it's just a, a room, a place full of surprises. Right. You ne- You never know what you're going to find in there. And uh, it's disorienting too. Yeah, it's I mean, disorienting. Not, 
not only like because you can literally get lost. Yeah. Because like there's a there's a stairway that goes to strange rooms, right. and like the first time you're there, you get lost. But also just the whole feeling of it yeah. is so out of time. It it's is. Not, it's like Inception. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but older. <laughs> I never saw it. I never oh, saw it. it's great. Um, yeah. Uh, but it, it it doesn't feel like a modern place. You it know? doesn't. It re- Starting with the fireplace, yeah. I'd say the fact that there is a functional fireplace yeah. in the main room. There we have fires there all the time. Yeah. It's great. And uh, it's this weird drafty place, yeah. and there's all these giant like cast yeah. iron radiators that use <laughs> steam heat that was pumped up from a place down the hill. Ah, uh, it's kind of magical. Our riding group has met there forever, a dirt city, yeah. and we and, and it's like it's uh, the two are inseparable. In my mind, I have a very funny memory at that fireplace of Ty, who was riding for the Alibi at the time, and Seth, who was the bartender there, who was riding for Local IQ, which was the Alibi's competitor. Um, and the two were arguing over which newspaper they should use as kindling to start the <laughs> fire with. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, we'll use this old rag. <laughs> yeah. So, so, no, it's just it's a, a wonderful, amazing building, and you can just feel the history in it. I mean, I, I love that, that line you have at the end there, Ty, about ghosts being just a useful excuse to talk about the past. Yeah. Like, that is, that's, maybe that's why I'm drawn to it, because I'm kind of like an unreligious, skeptical person, right, but right. at the same time, like, I'm very drawn into those stories because I feel like, like, oh, cool, we're going to talk about the past? Yeah, like we're gonna, exactly. I am haunted by the past, exactly. like, in, in very metaphorical ways, but, like, in very literal ways, like, you know? Because the only ghost stories that really work are the ones that are plausible, that are somehow related yeah. to something that yeah. actually happened. Seriously, yeah. Yeah, if someone were to tell you, like, this Walmart's haunted by, like, you know, Charlemagne, you'd <laughs> be like, hey, why? <laughs> you know? Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's the Albuquerque. Yeah, uh, it's really, really weird. But, yeah, but, like... It's 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 so nice to have that like just to have the past woken up and to be aware of it. Like I I'm always spouting off about historical facts about a place, and I find that most people just do not care. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah, hard to. That's great that something happened here, <laughs> but you know, some, then you bring a ghost story into it, and all of a sudden everyone's like, oh really? Yeah, a little yeah. boy died here in this theater. Oh really? This like I mean you know yeah. whatever you it know becomes something in the present. Yeah, in it does. Way. It makes it's... it super. Yeah, that's so neat. Anyway, that was a great insight, man. Though, I had a oh, question go. for you. Yeah. Do you believe in ghosts? I really don't. But but at the same time, I believe that life is is uh, so strange and unknowable yeah. and that we don't really understand the nature of time. I guess I shouldn't say I really don't because because I just believe in the possible. You Hold know? on. Mar- Mara's in here. Maybe oh. we should be Wait a second. Uh. <laughs> okay. Uh. Hi. Oh, my girlfriend is here. Mara. Mara Hi. Lee, she's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> local local musician and uh, Mike's uh, and, and local. <laughs> Sorry, I'm cutting into this podcast, yeah. but you've seen ghosts in this apartment. Yeah, but that's like mental illness or something. No, that's not mental illness. <laughs> no, 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 no. You woke me up in the middle of the night to talk about the ghosts. Oh, it's a it's a sleep hallucination. It's hypnagogic, hypnopompic, yeah. something. Okay, I agree with you, but. <laughs> but what about people that have seen ghosts who have been in this? In this no, I'm not state. discounting these experiences. And I've seen yeah. stuff in the desert that I felt like I just saw yeah. through time. I mean, you know, but, but I think like, a lot of people throughout history, I mean, you can explain yeah. those things right. by science or right, 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 right. By, right. by certain circumstances. But you did see some dude oh, man. In, the book, in the bookshelf coming out. Oh, yeah, that was cool. terrifying. And yeah, a but little like, girl <laughs> running through and, yeah. Yeah, but. So, okay, sorry. But, which bookshelf? <laughs> it was I in our bedroom. Okay. I still think it was, yeah, okay. But, you know, no, it's, uh, look, I don't, when I hear a ghost story, I don't, I don't think, those people are liars. Right. I, I think, right. I think the human brain is complex. Yeah. I think, uh, 
I think time is weird. I don't know. I've, I've seen, like, ancient Spaniards in the desert and stuff like that. But, like, I, I don't know if I'm seeing through time or if I'm just seeing my vivid fantasy-prone imagination. So you're basically you know? saying, I don't believe in ghosts, but I've seen so many ghosts. I know. That's Look, I have a really vivid imagination. So do you, man. We probably just True. see stuff all the time. Like, Well, I, I think that actually, what I would say for myself is I, I don't know that I believe in ghosts, but I certainly believe that people have had yeah. unexplainable yeah. experiences. Sure, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Good or at least experiences that they can't explain. Maybe you could say, Thanks. <laughs> you could say like, mental illness or an optical illusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hypnogogic uh, experience. <laughs> I think yeah. what I agree with you, people have had those experiences, yeah. but I think you can still have experiences and not believe in ghosts. Sure, yeah, like, yeah. You've had those ghostly experiences. Okay, but geez, I you're think, making me sound crazy, but yeah. But you're, <laughs> like, you're not crazy because we've all had, yeah. I've seen some crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, and this apartment's really weird too with yeah. how you can hear everything above and below. And yeah, below. it feels ghostly. Yeah. But that isn't like the experiences. We had a terrifying night where everything that we could hear on every side of this apartment sounded like it was coming from my kid's bedroom, but nothing was in there. It was so weird. Yeah, I mean, I've heard heard like more auditory hallucinations. I've had more auditory um, experiences rather than visual experiences Mm -hmm. and my ghost experiences, but yeah, there's some stuff I've heard in there alone, and it's been. That room in particular, yeah, the kids' room. Well, I think uh, so in my little piece there, I interviewed Maynard. Cohen, who's the, uh, the manager of oh, the, okay. huh. the press club, and he described an experience that I think is probably the most popular kind of ghost mm-hmm. experience, mm-hmm. which is he had a weird feeling as he was coming down yeah. the stairs. And that, I think, is oh, both totally. like totally explainable, yeah. which is, yeah, I got weird feelings all the time. Yeah, yeah. But also, you know, it's like once you know that there is a story to a mm. place, yeah. and then you have that weird feeling, then it all becomes really real like yeah. it sort of intersects yeah. and then like your weird feeling takes on this dimension it's true this man. depth to it right you know so i think that's like for me that's that's what's really cool about oh, this man, it becomes amazing. like yeah. a, a reason to think about things that have happened before yeah i agree i totally yeah. agree oh, this is a, my favorite detail has of the <laughs> apc press club ghost stories has always been that the, the cat. cat looked at, into the distance <laughs> Or stops like, yeah. like cats aren't yeah. always doing that. <laughs> I know it's like it's a, a cat acted weird. <laughs> yeah. It's like that, there's ghosts literally everywhere the cats are then because a cat that's played all with a toy do. and then ran out of the room. Must be a ghost. <laughs> cat acted like a complete <laughs> lunatic for no reason. Yeah, uh, I, uh, oh, um, that's fascinating. Um, thought about that one, but you know, yeah. it's also something that's really creepy if you see it happen. If a cat starts acting weird and it that's seems true, like it's yeah. looking at something yeah. in the corner of the room. That freaks you out, yeah. you know? Um, I read an old folktale from Ohio once that said if you wanted to see ghosts, you took a coat off a dog's eye on your finger and put it in your own eye, and then you can see... You can see. That's, like, that's how you get a conjunctivitis. <laughs> exactly. Like, gross. <laughs> I won't try that one. That's, that's, how, that's how dog plague started spreading in the yeah. United States. <laughs> dog eye plague. You got the old Ohio pink eye. <laughs> we don't know why. So uh, you are someone who has... Um, I know you've personally investigated some ghost stories. I have, yeah. yeah. Do you have any any favorite? Well, we, we, ghosts I, uh, in we, I don't know what's made the final cut of this recording, but we referred earlier in our discussion here to uh, the chemo ghost. So let's just start that one over. Okay, again. I feel like yeah. uh, just the placement of that we yeah. probably won't need to start. So the chemo theater ghost, yeah. right? That's one of the most famous ghosts in Albuquerque. Yeah, point. it is. It's it's well. Um, 
few years ago, I uh, wrote an article for the Alibi. I co-wrote it with with, an, with another guy, Ben Radford, about the chemo ghost. And the chemo is this beautiful old theater in downtown Albuquerque. Uh, I, th- I believe it was built in 1927. Yeah, I think Cer- so. certainly in the 20s. Um, and uh, it's done in this style called Pueblo Deco, which combines like all the clean lines and kind of ornate qualities of Art Deco with sort of Pueblo. Uh, styles of stucco and flat roofs and, and so on. Symbols, right? And like symbolism, symbols. Tur- and colors too, the turquoise yeah. and so on. And uh, when it came out, when it opened in the 20s, it was like a huge deal. All the stars from Hollywood came out right. and it was like amazing. And at the time, it was kind of on the edge of Albuquerque with the wild desert just uh-huh. sprawling off into the distance. Amazing stuff. And uh, anyway, in the, in the 50s, uh, a little boy named Bobby Darnell was attending this uh, he was attending just this some movie i can't remember what it was at a, at um at the chemo theater with a with a neighbor girl and um he got scared of a siren in one of the short films that was playing and he ran down the stairs and uh unfortunately right at that moment something went wrong with the building's plumbing and a boiler exploded in the wall and it hurled bobby and a couple of other people across the staircase and into a wall and Bobby uh, was injured so severely with a head injury that he died later that day in a hospital. And the movie was This is America They Fly with the Fleet. That's probably right. Okay. This is Ben Radford's book actually. Oh that's Ben Radford's book. Oh oh wow I bet I co-wrote that chapter. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Interesting. uh, Oh interesting. I've never looked at that book. Oh yeah that's the picture we took the day we toured it. It just came out. Oh huh I'll have to check that out. Anyway, um, so it much. was a horrible tragedy. So it was a horrible tragedy, and then that story basically disappeared for a long time. Uh, the chemo repaired its walls; they did some remodeling and so on. And then, and then a long time later, um, the story surfaced decades later, literally, that Bobby's ghost had been haunting the place; that it had uh, appeared at a play; that it had uh, made all the actors forget their lines and trip, wow. and like things were exploding, and windows of props were flying open, and so on and so and on. This happened. This was a story that was after the play. This, yeah, this was uh, in the in the eighties. Was supposedly oh, well, actually it was the original. A lot of a lot of these books, like I think Adobe Angels mentions that yeah, places it in nineteen set the late nineteen seventies. And so when I first started researching that. I was looking for a review of this play. It was supposed to be a Christmas Carol, uh-huh. um, and and uh, I couldn't find anything in the seventies because the chemo was a porn theater. <laughs> it was like it wasn't even a play uh, a oh. theater that was putting on plays at the time. <laughs> I found an ad in like the Tribune of the Journal that said um, that those are the two Albuquerque newspapers at the time. Um, that said, uh, teenage fantasies was playing as part of a double feature, teenage and fantasies. it was all like I mean, it was a, it was it really fell into disrepair for a while. This, Did they this say the actors theater. forgot their lines? No, no, no. Teenage <laughs> fantasies. <laughs> That'd be weird. But I did end up tracking down what this haunted production of A Christmas Carol was. Oh, really? And uh, I wasn't prepared to talk about this, so I don't remember the exact dates on it. But I do know that um, that. It was a wildly overstated, just okay. the degree to which things went wrong. Because we were excited to research that because we felt like, wow, this could really be like a ghost story you could prove. Yeah. Like so many people in the audience and everything, everyone right, watching right. and so on. And, uh, and it turned out that it was like some actors were late because they were off to see a Star Trek movie. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of kids were cast. They're like Bob Cratchit's kids. And uh, Star Trek Two had just come out. And, and, which is a really good movie. It's really, I need to see it. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not my corner of geekdom. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm just saying, if you're going to be late for the play you're in, you know, uh, seeing the first run Star Trek Two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wrath of Khan. I heard it's good. Yeah, yeah. My it's friend Doug pretty, really pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, so... 
some kids were late, some people forgot their lines, and that was kind of it. I like I talked to the director and the lighting people and some of the actors, and they were all like, "Yeah, it wasn't haunted. No, it was just fine." But but there was actually a performance that had that some weird had stuff, yeah. some issues. No, yeah, yeah, there was yeah there was some stuff like that, and you know there were a number of people I talked to that claimed like they had weird feelings. It was that sort same yeah. sort of thing. I really like. You know, I can't help but be skeptical about this kind of stuff. Some of it comes from having, like, a religious upbringing and feeling like I needed to reject it wholesale. Right. You know, okay, sure. af- after, the, after the fact. Due to a... Oh, I see. Yes. Just from just from Not because it. of danger to your mortal soul, but... No, but, but just because I'm, rejecting. like... I felt a real distaste for it like, yeah. as I grew up. But, but um... But, uh... You know, like, yeah. So so it's an interesting local story. And, and I kind of feel the same way that Ty talked about the ghost of, of Mrs. M. Like... Just, I'm glad people talk about Bobby Darnell still. Yeah. I kind of wish they didn't talk about him in such a ridiculous way that he was like needed, you know, trinkets left for him and stuff. But like, yeah. but at the same time, I I feel like, you know, I'm that kid was like that kid lived and like you yeah, know he had right. a, a tragic premature life. I think he has siblings that are still alive in Florida. I've tried to track them down. They won't return my calls. Mm. Um, you know, but it was a really sad story. And and it would be a totally forgotten story if right. it hadn't had this bit of lore attached to it. You know, uh, I I think Bobby Darnell mattered, this right. little kid, and I'm glad that we talk about him. And if it takes ghost lore to, like, talk about him, then great. And it's funny because there you know? were undoubtedly, and I know for a fact that there were tragedies that were kind of on a par with Bobby Darnell. Sure. And it's almost like he sort of becomes emblematic of, mm. of, of these tragedies that happened in the past. You right, know? And it's right. like, instead of walking down every block and thinking about like all the terrible things that have happened it's like you can kind of pin it all on this one kid it's mm. like so we leave him trinkets in the chemo theater that's mm. they, they leave him toys oh, they supposedly at one point were, were like hanging up donuts I don't know if they're still doing that anymore but so they do that yeah. kind of stuff I heard they were banned from putting food back there because it was attracting ants <laughs> People were leaving tacos. <laughs> yeah. And donuts. Yeah, or something. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's just good hygiene. Yeah. Don't yeah. do that. But, don't do that. But you know, it, it, it's sort of a way of like saying, I mean, yeah. like I say, he's sort of emblematic of, yeah. of tragedies yeah. that have happened in the past. And so we feel bad for this one particular kid. Yeah. Know, and so we, we leave him stuff. Oh man, it's crazy. Well, should we talk more about the press club? Should we like circle back to this? And to yeah, Mrs. okay. So uh, Clifford, Clifford Myrick, okay. Paul McCallum. All right, all right. Had you heard much about her before? No, and I know you've done a lot more research than me, so yeah. I'd love to just hear you talk about it. But... Yeah, she's a peculiar person. Um, I read uh, her daughter's book. Okay, it's called A Cliffy Experience, and she was sort of this uh, kind of bohemian flapper hmm. uh, from the. 1920s or so, she came out to Albuquerque to treat tuberculosis patients, mm. which mm. was why a lot of people from points east came to uh, Albuquerque. Seriously, that yeah. That was our first like real yeah. population boom of the 20th century was as a destination for people people to um, yeah be cured of their tuberculosis. Hopefully, yeah. Hardly any of them, any of them were cured, Basically, yeah. but at least you know. Yeah, crap science brought people to Albuquerque. Yeah, it's kind of crap yeah. science. Yeah, fresh um, air, sunshine. <laughs> it'll probably work. We don't have any medicine that works, so right. try it. Why not? And I think she's interesting because she uh, she rose through the ranks at Presbyterian huh. Sanitarium. She became the head nurse there. Oh, interesting. And then when she um, she married. Her husband, uh, A.B. Hall, who was a pharmacist, hmm. she kind of kept up treatment of, um, of people who couldn't afford to go to the fancy oh, sanitarium. Cool. So she was bringing 
kids from the Pueblos hmm. to sleep on the porch at her place, you know? Because the idea was that if yeah. you slept on the porch, then this cool air, the cool, yeah. dry air would, yeah. I don't know, shrink all the tuberculosis cells. For, for our non-New Mexico listeners, uh, the Pueblos are the, the Native American villages that, right. that are uh, that dot the area around they're, here. Yeah. yeah. The city's and basically ringed by them. Ringed by them the whole yeah. state? There's yeah. Like, yeah, they're all across the state. or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. 15 different tribes. Yeah. Um, and that was actually a thing, was... One, uh, back when they were promoting Albuquerque as a place for uh, people to come and be cured of their tuberculosis, part of the promotional material was, and the disease is, is unknown among the Pueblo Indians of the Southwest. Oh, yeah. And it was unknown because it's a bacterial infection that spreads through contact. Oh, wow. Um, not because of any magical properties they of the that, air huh? here. Interesting. They did. They said that. Huh. And, of course, people started to get tuberculosis in the Pueblos. Yeah. But they couldn't afford to be set up in the um, oh, man. in the uh, the big sanitariums. Yeah. Which actually there's I'm sure a, there was racism too, right? Oh yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there there was one sanitarium that started up called the Indian uh, Indian Hospital. Which is still there. Still there, beautiful yeah, yeah. building. Yeah. Uh, but that is why it was built. Mm. Hasn't mm. been like updated as far as I mm. can tell since then. Interesting. Um, but I, I thought that that was like an admirable aspect of her character, even though uh you know, if you read the book, um, both she and her daughter have a very kind of uh, sort of colonial view of, uh, of the Pueblos, you know, sort of like, we just thought they were the most wonderful people and the most oh, kind, of, kind of magical and the most like in touch with, wow. uh, you know, uh, and so forth. But at least, sort of at least it had a, yeah, yeah exactly. At least yeah. it had a, a positive aspect to it. Yeah. Um, so what I like about her ghost story is that. You know, it's clear from reading about her that she loved that house mm. completely. Like, mm. How could the, you not? It's awesome. It is awesome. It's such I a would, cool building and such a cool location. But the original yeah. builder of it abandoned it. You oh, know? Yeah. Well, he had to go to Chicago yeah. or huh. something and start building. Yeah, he was an art. He was a yeah. he was a, a high level architect. So mm. I guess you have to travel around, and it mm-hmm. sat there abandoned for a few years until she um, she convinced her fiance to buy it for her hmm. and then she stayed in it through two marriages and wow. everything else and it was really wow. you know i say that 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 the house is kind of her true love and that that was the impression That's i beautiful. got out of it was huh. that more than anything else she loved this house she loved interesting you know how it like the the scene she kind of created there she had like a real like kind of hmm. artist sal- salon um she had people like Maria Martinez and and Maria Martinez's husband. The, hmm. She's the Pueblo potter hmm. who does the black on black uh, oh, pottery yeah. from uh, yeah. famous Pueblo. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's kind of what drew me to the, the that's story. That's cool. You know, we're both people that really love place, so yeah. it kind of makes sense that we would be we would like this personality. I, like you know, right, right, she, right. She was she recognized that place, and we love that specific place. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's really cool. Um, um, wow, interesting. Well, so what's her like? How would you reduce her story? Well, I think she's somebody who found her herself here. Oh, yeah. You know, she came here and yeah. she found uh, an identity and hmm. and a story for herself in, in Albuquerque. Interesting. Which, I mean, anybody who has felt a connection to a place feels like it brings out certain aspects of their That's personality true, huh? and so forth, you know? Yeah. I think that she's kind of emblematic of that. And also, I think she's she's interesting because she's someone who's mostly forgotten. There's this book which came out in two thousand five, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think. But I talked, you know, I, I didn't put this in there, but I talked to Maynard, and he 
didn't really know who she was. Oh, interesting. He was he he kind of had her mixed up with somebody else, and you know he's talking about this this story of you know leaving the gin out and so forth. Mm. He didn't really know who she was, but I, I think God. it's such a great avenue to like find out about yeah. someone, especially if you like. Oh him. man, I need to read this. I, I need to read that book. It's I, interesting. Yeah, it's not real well written. It sounds like it's like totally anecdotal. A lot and of stuff, anecdotes. Yeah. Stuff that it talks about some other people in there, like yeah, our, our, like Carl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who we're going to get into in the future. So, oh, well, anyway, she sounds like a really interesting person. And I think, yeah, I, I kind of think it's cool when kids do memoirs of their parents. I, I work yeah. part time at Bookworks at Rio yeah. Grande, as you know, and uh, which is a little local independent bookstore here in Albuquerque. And uh, we recently did an event for someone who, it was like a very loving profile of her dad. And, and it was just like about how he was a painter and he was a physicist. Mm. And it was like, and I, I just kind of like that stuff. As yeah. a parent myself, like, I, I, I hope my kids will remember me fondly and like think my life was worth remembering. And right, so on. you right, know, that's right, like right. I think that's great. Um, yeah. Well. Okay. So, do um, what else should we talk about about her? Um, well, I don't. I don't know. I mean, do yeah. you have any other thoughts on her? Or should we talk about um, some other ghost stories? Or well, we could talk about the Carl Taylor connection, but that would bring us to the toward the end of the episode. I think. Like, yeah, that's my one my one hesitation to talk about that. Uh, what about other notable Albuquerque ghost stories? Do you have any? Oh, okay. Are we going to go that broad? Okay. Um, yeah, why not? That's, uh, sure. Okay. Notable Albuquerque ghost story. Well, stories. Well, you mentioned in that recorded piece about um, what was it? Uh, the, the ghost lights at the end of Manal. Yeah, I never heard, heard that, that one. No. no. Supposedly, if you I go to there, this so. hill, yeah, uh, locally known as Haunted Hill. What? I live locally. I'm like very uh, Manal well, is know. right there by me. According, according to something I <laughs> okay. read, you know, it's funny. But I, you know, it, it's something that's popped up a few times. Yeah. I guess that I've read it. Yeah. Um, but if you go there at night, there's a. You know, a chance, I guess, that you'll see some lights going up and down. And you know, wandering around that hill, you might hear a woman screaming and so forth. Which, you know, it's Albuquerque. Yeah, so you're, you're going to hear that It anytime. might just be somebody being killed. Which, yeah, you know, yeah. That's disappointing. Yeah. It's not a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Dark. <laughs> but uh, the, the story is <laughs> that uh, a man lived out there at the, like, the turn of the century about. And that he had a little cabin and that he, uh. would, he would bring prostitutes from... Oh, uh, hell's half. I've heard another version of this. Okay, and that he he had murdered a few. Oh, I'd never heard the cabin. I heard that there's a guy that lived in a cave out there. Oh, that he okay. was an old hobo. Oh, and uh, and that he had murdered people. Maybe that's the same story. And oh, I, I bet it is. Either I'm mixing it up or yeah. I read a kind of mixed up version. It totally ignores the geology of this part yeah. of, the, of the mountains, the Sandia Mountains. The, they're foothills, which is sort right. of like a little sub mountain range in front of the mountain range here. You know, as foothills right. are, and um, and. Uh, yeah, they, there's all sorts of stories around there, but there's no caves there. The only caves in the Sandias are like at the north end, right? The extreme right, north end, you know. Sandia Man. Yeah, the, yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know. Interesting. I wrote a piece. Go look for it. <laughs> also about a cave around there about a guy, an old prospector, who uh, had actually been an influential early Albuquerque mm-hmm. businessman pre 1880, pre before the railroad came oh, okay. to Albuquerque and made New Albuquerque next to it. Um, and uh, became to Albuquerque back when there was right. another R in there. And um, and this guy had supposedly found a skeleton of a man that was like 300 foot, feet tall. What? Yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so this guy, the, he took the finger bone of it to his friend who had a bar in Santa Fe and charged people to come see it. Come see the but, finger bone. But it's like giant. all these stories about caves in the southern end of the Sandias, just right. there are no caves in the southern end, in the southern Sandias. There's none. There's one, yeah. Travertine Falls has like a shallow cave next right, to it. Right, it's right. tiny. 
There's just nothing really. It doesn't. The geology doesn't support it. It's See, all. I wonder if that like story is kind of more just about the the unknown nature of like Maybe. wilderness right at the edge of the city. You know. May- oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, just yeah, this otherness that was there. Yeah, and it's interesting to me yeah. because of course, like recently they discovered the uh, the bodies of uh, twelve women. Oh God. Buried on the other side. Other side of, of town, the west side. Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, that's such a West Mesa, yeah. long-standing thing that happens. I guess, you I know, guess there could yeah. very well have been somebody murdering women back in, oh, you man. know, eighteen ninety yeah. or whatever. And probably back then, you could get away with anything, probably, right? Known, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, you can go out there and look, and yeah, I don't know. That one, that one's kind of too creepy. It's, it's that too story weird. is so sad, too, man. It's just so profoundly sad, like. You know, I, I really feel like Albuquerque has suffered. Like, I love the term psychogeog- psychogeography. Yeah. Like, the, the, the fact that a place has, like, a subjective feeling and history to it right. that, like, just dictates how you experience it. And and uh, I feel like Albuquerque has had these twin tragedies on, on either side of it. We had the, the, the bodies of those women found on the West Mesa, which is on the very west side of town. On the west right. side of Albuquerque, there are volca- there's a line of volcanoes, and there's this huge old uh, vo- lava rock mesa a national monument where there's a lot of petroglyphs and so on. And then on the east side of town, we have mountains, the Sandia Mountains. And there recently, this homeless camper was shot to death by the APD, oh, yeah. the Albuquerque Police Department, and made international news. It was in yeah, yeah. Al Jazeera News, the BBC News, the New York Times. Over and over for weeks, we had so many protests. And, and it was just like... It, but it just felt like the city for this for a while, and even still, I feel it still, was just framed in sadness. Like, right. it was just framed in, like... In violence and just brutality. I mean, you know, we were originally going to call this podcast, speaking now to the listener, um, a, a City at the End of the World, which which is the title of V.B. Price's book. Right. And it's such a good description of this town. Like, we're a, we're, we're a place that's just kind of on the edge of things. When you fly into Albuquerque at night, it is... It's just this little shining patch of light, right. and there's just nothing that's all around it. It is just in the middle of the desert. It right, is. Right, it, there's. Right. It's one of the most isolated, uh, mid-sized cities in America. I mean, it's just really by itself, um, and uh, you know. And we're also like the town that developed nuclear technology. Us in Los Alamos, right. and we were the home of the first atom bomb factory. We have half the country's nuclear weapons, basically, more or less. Here, stored at Kirtland Air Force Base, it's a it's a place that really does live on the edge. And so, this podcast title, which was Ty writing it down wrong from from, from a city of the world, which we thought that's good, and then we don't have to ask VB Price's permission. <laughs> yeah, uh, city on the edge. We, you should buy that book anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great book. And we we're really like it. It's it's a strange place to be. It's fraught. It's, it, there's a lot of anxiety just living here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. people, a lot of people have seen Breaking Bad, the show we alluded to earlier. Um, and it's kind of like that. There's, it's really kind of like think, that. I, feel, I always felt like Breaking Bad did a remarkably good job of both capturing that anxiety that yeah. you're talking about, but yeah. capturing the beauty of the city, but it's yeah. such a strange and yeah. unique beauty. It's, it's a fraught beauty, you know? It's oh, like, man. It's a beauty of... Like there's there's danger and there's emptiness and there's starkness and that's like yeah. the beauty of this place. You it's know? true. And so much poverty and so much just worry and like it's just <laughs> So come to Albuquerque. Yeah. It's a <laughs> it's a great place this for This podcast a has been brought to you by the New Mexico Bureau of Tourism. <laughs> Albuquerque. <laughs> Keep it quirky. More likely to be brought by the uh, Santa Fe Bureau of oh, yeah. Tourism. Oh, don't yeah. don't stay in Albuquerque. Just keep driving. <laughs> Dude, we should do an episode about uh, the Albuquerque Santa Fe rivalry. I think yeah, that'd be really totally, fun. Totally. Because yeah, that that's that I've written about that before and it's fun. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I kind of feel like we've 
I think we covered a lot of a good oh, resting place We need to here. talk about Carl Taylor, though, a little yeah, bit. So to bring let's in talk about Carl Taylor. Episode. This is going to be the subject of our next yeah. episode. Yeah. This is, uh, he was very briefly mentioned as, uh, as a journalist who was Clifford's lover at one point. Yes. And that was apparently, he came to New Mexico. I'm not exactly sure what kind of stories he was reporting on, but he came to New Mexico briefly. Then he went to the Philippines and did a bunch of uh, journalism mm-hmm. from there, and then came back, and that's really what we're going to be talking oh, about. Oh, man. I have a filing cabinet. I have a filing cabinet and a half in my, in my room of, um, of just stuff about Taylor and about his murder. He was later murdered uh, in 1936. There's your preview. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah a little, little preview. Taste, I'm getting ahead. Yeah. And, uh, and, but Taylor, uh, everything that is written about him in this book of Mary Lou Heafy's <laughs> in connection with Mrs. M is so wrong. Yeah, it yeah. says he's British. It says he was stabbed to death. I think, it, oh my God. So you just is, have to, uh, is, if, if you pick up this book, A yeah. Cliffy Experience, and it's it's got some very interesting stuff. It's not the kind of book that you read from beginning to end, but it's got some interesting stuff yeah. in there. It's definitely take it with a grain of salt. I feel like this is a, this is a woman, she was yeah. quite old when she wrote it down. Mm. I think she, I don't think she was going to the library and checking up on facts. I think she was just kind of saying things as she remembered. She was remembering what her mom said. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think it's actually interesting. I think it says to me, it says to me something about Carl Taylor's character that he was remembered as British. Yeah. I bet he was kind of proper and like colonialist and like, you know, I mean, he was here and he wore a pith helmet. I have photos of him wearing a pith helmet and like exploring and so on. Uh, Pretty worldly, worldly sort of. Worldly. Yeah. I think it's it's Mary Lou was very young at the time. She's probably like. Eight, yeah, you know, and this yeah. guy's got maybe some kind of a middle middle English like received pronunciation yeah. kind of thing going on. And yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, that's that's. So anyway, uh, so apparently she dated him. What do you know about their relationship? You read this it chapter. Doesn't right? say much about him other than uh, that they they wrote a lot of uh, love letters back and forth. Oh, and some of them were so racy that parts were excised. Apparently, before. she took a razor to those love letters yeah. and cut out the. Uh, the uh, uh, the more risque bits, uh, and then um, according to Mary Lou, and again we have to take this with a bit of a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Clifford actually bankrolled his trip to the Philippines. Oh my God! And I believe then it. He uh, yeah. wrote her a bad check as repayment. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, Carl. And then by the time he came back, she had actually married someone else, and I and that was that was the end of that. that but was apparently, it was it was a memorable love affair. Clifford kept those letters to the end of her life. Apparently, some of them huh. still survived as of uh, the writing of this book. Okay. Um, wow, I'd like so to check those down. Yeah, it would be kind yeah, of cool. I, I wonder mean, where they are now. Yeah. yeah. Wow, and she actually called his daughter, or her daughter. Um, well, that's great, man. So, yeah, so in the next episode, we're going to talk a lot about Carl Taylor. I'll probably okay. do the little recorded piece that we had in this one. Yeah, we're yeah. going to play with the format. We don't yeah. Really- yeah, necessarily know what we're doing, but we're gonna try things out. We have a lot of cool stories to tell, I think, and um, yeah, and we, and we hope that you will come along with us for the ride because we're we're painting a picture. If you end up listening to like I don't know the twenty episodes of the first season or however many that we do or whatever, <laughs> like you will get a picture of the city that will that will span a lot of time yeah. and focus on a lot of different parts of the city, and you're you're gonna know something about a place, and uh, I think that I think it's gonna be really fun. We're going to have a good so time. So come along with us yeah. on a magical journey Join us through the city of Breaking Bad. As we ride across the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll do that next time. All right. That's it. This would be where the closing music yeah. plays, I guess. Yeah. yeah.